how do you currently handle claims and proof of conditions? If it isn't working for you and your business, make sure to check out letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 22 with Marcel. He's the founder of Cargo Snap and find out an easier way and how you can almost eliminate claims and get back to business. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It is another great day in the studio and with so much craziness happening in trade these days and the start of a potential trade war starting, I am focusing on what this means for you and your business today. But first, let's get to a review. You do a great job as your podcasts are not only informative and entertaining, but I find them to be presented in a way that is very digestible. Thank you, Fareen, for sending in that review and uh, send me more of your reviews so that I can feature you on the show. I'm also featuring supply chain stories. Send them in so that we can learn from each other. Remember, this show is by a supply chain professional for supply chain for professionals. So let's learn from each other. Send those to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. So let's get into trade today. So my in-house industry expert, Graham Robbins from Border Buddy is back. And we are talking about a topic that will affect everyone. Everyone, and that means you, consumers, retailers, manufacturers, and supply chains around the world. Today, we want to cover everything from trade war history to the right way to move forward in your business and supply chain. How do you mitigate that risk and diversify your trade? So welcome back, Graham. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we got a lot of great feedback from our last show where we spoke about autonomous vehicles and what it means for transportation. So today we are focusing on trade and tariffs, and this is a really important subject right now. So let's get right into it. So what is happening with the tariff changes in Canada and the U.S.? Wow, yeah, you know, I think the the state that we're in, because literally the, the tariffs were... The, I, from a Canadian perspective, anyways, the retaliatory tariffs were uh, announced formally on Friday, June 29th, to go into effect on July 1st, which was a Sunday. And then the Monday was the holidays. So we're actually only like seven or eight days into this right now. But I, I would I would sort of label it as, as tit for tat right now. There's just a lot of back and forth. There's um, a lot of sort of muscling up on on what's being, you know, what people are going to add tariffs to. But at the very high level, it starts with, you know, the U.S. imposing uh, steel tariffs and then many other countries. We could talk about many other, but I think we're kind of focused on U.S. and Canada for right now. Um, and Canada retaliating because um, Canada is a 
the number one, number two supplier of steel to the U.S. So now Canada has has said, well, we're going to tear off a whole bunch of, of your items. And, um, you know, and then now U.S. and China are going back and forth. So there's it's, it's almost like a, a grudge match. There's, 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 there's these back and forth happening right now. But at the end of the day, the, the biggest ones that have happened are the steel tariffs that happened in June into the U.S. And then July 1st is uh, the countermeasure tariffs from Canada, which includes, you know, so many random items, you know, everything from it starts with steel and, and aluminum, of course. But then there's stationary playing cards, lawnmowers, plastic bags, outboard motors, camping gear. There's a whole bunch of other products in there right now. Yeah, and I think we're going to get more into the industries and the products that are affected in a little bit. But let's go back in time. Let's do a little bit of history. So when was the last time this happened? Well, you know, it's it's funny because as I, as I was looking at, at this stuff, it's it's kind of happened over and over throughout the years. And now the the biggest sign of a, of a, a bit of a trade war, trade challenge was actually in January this year when uh, the U.S. imposed tariffs on solar panels. And that was kind of shocking because solar, you know, there's a lot of talk about solar being the cheapest it's ever been uh, per kilowatt and things like that. But if you go back in time, there's there's been spotty uh, tariffs added over the years. So 2002, you know, George W. Bush had uh, put in steel tariffs, which he then rescinded pretty quickly afterwards, but he did put in steel tariffs. In the 80s, um, Reagan had tariffs on items from Japan when Japan was was basically the biggest. You know, there's a lot of toys and things and vehicles made in, in Japan back then flooding the U.S. market. But the one that actually um, it gets referenced the most right now, I don't know if it's because the media likes to grab onto it or what, but there's this one from the 1930s, which is called it was called the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act. And it was actually, they added huge tariffs on any items that were imported into the U.S. And then, of course, other countries retaliated and uh, created a big challenge because this was during the Depression. Uh, made, according to you know the history, it made it harder to get out of the Depression. And then after that, that's when the World Trade Organization was actually formed was because of that, because it was, it was a big trade war. So that's probably the biggest reference of a, a true trade war was in the 30s. Yeah, I think I was I was listening to um, somebody the other day talking about the fact that, you know, tariff or trade wars can actually start some of the wars that we or did start some of the wars that we had a long, long time ago, which is a little bit scary. Yeah, and that's that's been talked about. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of um, repercussions of trade wars. If the countries start doing worse or financially worse, or there's, there's challenges with the people and that there's creates unrest, then, uh, yeah, then people get angry and, and, and wars can start. Uh, let's hope this doesn't happen here. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a, a bit of an unknown. It's, it's so fresh because, you know, most of us weren't around in the thirties. Yeah, and you touched on WTO. Um, what is their role with what's going on right now? Well, you know, <laughs> there's you know there's talk about you know um, there, there's talk about you know the U.S. leaving the World Trade Organization. There's a whole bunch of things you know just talk and sort of muscling up on 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 trade. But really, you know, 
world, the WTO or World Trade Organization is supposed to be this at a very high level. It sort of regulates international trade. And then if you have, if a country has an issue or a challenge uh, with another country, instead of, you know, creating a war, basically, or going back and forth country to country, they get to go to this organization that's sort of the, the mediator, if you will. Um, so they're, you know, they're just as on their heels as anyone because, um, you know, the, the announcements are coming out sort of left, right and center. China has these tariffs, U.S. has counter tariffs, then China says we're going to do more. And so the, the concept would be that China and the U.S. would sit at the table with the WTO and then they'd come to some sort of, um, you know, some sort of conclusion or, or agreement. That's interesting. Yeah, because I just don't know, like WTO really isn't spoken about too much um, within these these discussions. So it's just interesting to sort of talk about and, and hear about what their role would be in this, obviously, because we're we're talking trade war and wars and it's it's escalating and, you know, getting a little bit you know, scary. So um, it's a good thing to talk about WTO, what their role is and what they can do to sort of mitigate and help with what is going on right now. So let's talk about who gets penalized in a trade war. Um, who is the, you know, who are the players, who gets penalized and why do they get penalized in a trade war? Well, I would say that you sort of like, there, there's sort of short term, medium term and long term because short term, you know, if these products are headed towards the border, or headed towards the U.S. or Canada, uh, you know, let's say it was July 2nd and they someone was shipping on July 2nd. Well, those that surtax is going to be included in the price of the goods. So it's going to be added. So someone on the other end is paying. And so what I the way I view that is the consumer ends up being the first person to get penalized because they they're going to have to pay the, you know, there, there's rates all over the place from 10% to 25%. They're going to have to pay 10%, 25% more for those products. So that's the immediate impact is that no seller or buyer of the goods, at least not that, that we've ever seen or heard of it on a regular basis, is just going to eat the cost. You know, they're not going to say, well, you know what, I know there's 25% more cost to importing this, but we'll just, you know, we'll just absorb that into our our cost. That No, they, they tag it on to the, the the cost of the goods, sell the goods. And, and uh, so that's, that's the immediate sort of short term. And then I think in the medium term, so to speak, people start looking at really the prices. Okay, now we know for sure these prices are here. They have been added to the goods. Uh, do we want to continue to buy from that country? Do we want to source these goods elsewhere? Um, so it really it starts with the consumer and then, it, and then it goes back to the seller of the goods because the seller may have fewer customers in those countries if there's big tariffs. And then it just kind of goes down the line. You know, you've, you've already heard about Harley-Davidson switching countries of manufacture because they can't add $2,800 to the cost of a motorcycle. So now they, they shut down a factory in the U.S., open one up in Europe, so the people in the U.S. lose their jobs. So there's just this domino ripple effect. But I'm not sure you can trace it, you know, sort of point for point, but there's, there is a lot of ripple effect through the whole supply chain. Yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy because um, in retail or between manufacturers, there's contracts in place, right? So they send out the pricing and the pricing is supposed to be good for however long they've negotiated, you know, six months, a year. And 
So I don't know how it just creates more work for everybody because then you've got to go back and forth on the cost. Everybody needs to adjust. So there's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of back and forth and there's a lot of internal overhead that happens because you have to adjust, right? You need to shut down. I mean, think about the amount of work that went into the Har- just the Harley Davidson, right? With the shutdown of the U.S. plant and then the opening of the European plant. And because things are happening so quickly, we have to do it fast. It's not like we really have a lot of time to breathe. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, there's there's a supply and demand piece. So there's, there's supply and demand versus uh, making sure that your brand keeps going. So in other words, Harley would know that people have other options. So they, if they go, well, the Harley's now too expensive, I'm gonna look at another bike. That's one scenario. The other scenario is we simply don't make uh, the product, so there, there's not a lot of choice. In other words, if, if, if British Columbia, for example, doesn't make mustard, <laughs> we have to import it. So um, we, we, just have to, we just have to pay the extra price if we want mustard. There's not like we can say, well, we're going to go to this other, this other supplier or other, you know, other product. So it's, it's definitely the brands have their own challenges and then the actual manufacturers of products in general have, have issues with making sure that people still are going to buy their products. Absolutely. It's kind of like this ketchup thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but the Heinz versus the French's because <laughs> the French's is made in Canada. So they're promoting to, to buy their products. But anyways. No, that's um, a, real, a real issue. And actually, even before the trade war, there was always talk about ketchup and why is it so much cheaper in the U.S. than Canada, and then let's not get started on dairy. But you know, dairy. You know, if if anyone that's lived in Canada knows, people drive down to the U.S. to buy boxes and boxes of milk to bring it back because it's cheaper bringing it back personally than it would be paying locally in in uh, you know in in Canada. Yeah, but, when I when I lived in uh, Vancouver, I think it was Pace. We had Pace, and we would go into Bellingham and pick up eggs and and milk and exactly. Also- Exactly. So, okay. So you spoke about briefly um, before what industries are affected. And I think that this is really important because, you know, there's a lot of information out there. I think people are really sort of scrambling to figure out how it's going to affect their business. And so this is really important. So let's talk about how it's affecting trade and what industries are actually affected right now. I mean, obviously we can't speak into the future, but let's talk about what's affected right now. Yeah, and I just want to preface this a little bit because, you know, we have customers on both sides of the border that import and export. So we have, you know, U.S. customers that import into Canada, Canadian customers that import to Canada, and then Canadian customers that uh, export from Canada to the U.S. So there's this back and forth. And even when we're fielding calls or inquiries, it's we have to really understand which products they're talking about and which, you know, what the origins are. But so, you know, at, at the high level, the 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 products that are coming into the U.S. as a start, you know, it's steel, stainless steel, alloy, and then they've added some random stuff on there, which was actually wasn't on the list at the beginning. It was all steel, iron, and things like that. But then they added at the last sort of minute, you know, cast iron grills, refrigerator, freezers, pillows, uh, cushions, and similar furnishings of cotton. So that's that's sort of into the U.S. And then when Canada retaliated, they added all the same products for the most part. So steel, uh, alloy, 
you know, just that tit for tat thing. But then also added a whole bunch of it, very interesting things, um, you know, maple syrup, alcohol, produce, condiments, uh, cleaning supplies, plastic products, hair and beauty supplies, candles, stationery. It just kind of goes on and on. And these are basically, you know, products that are imported from or manufactured in states that really support the current U.S. president. <laughs> so that's really what they go after is they go after areas that, you know, sort of would hurt, would hurt, you know, hurt the uh, voters the most. Okay, so these these products were duty free before because they were covered under NAFTA, correct? That's right. So, what are we looking at as far as an increase? I'm sure it fluctuates uh, depending on what products that we're talking about. But can you give us a bit of a range of what that would look like to the bottom line? Yes. Yeah, so basically, the 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 steel to steel. So, in other words, steel has. Um, a tit for tat tax of 25%. So that's just a 25% surtax. And I want to actually be clear on that because a lot of people at the beginning thought this might be duty and there's a difference. So um, the tariff itself, uh, it would be duty free, but there's actually a tax added. <laughs> so it's still duty free, which is sort of a, a way of getting around free trade in a sense, like, or, or you know, duty arrangements. But there's a surtax, which was a bit tricky to implement, but that's uh, another story. But there's so most of the stuff, most of the steel is 25%. And then for the most part, everything else is 10%. So all the, all the little items, I shouldn't say little items, the list of items that are nothing to do with steel, plastic bags and boats and outboard motors and all of that, uh, stationary candles, that all has 10% surtax. Wow, that adds a lot to the bottom line, but that kind of goes back to the GST, right? <laughs> they were yeah, supposed I, to get rid of the GST completely, but now there's there's still GST into Canada, the tax into Canada on imports. Yeah, and that's a really good point, is that there's this is such a huge amount of tax. So it, it's not to be taken lightly. You know, to your point, on GST, it's 5% or it was 7%, and there's PST, which makes it, you know, combined in some provinces, 13% perhaps. Um, but 25% tax is sort of unheard of. Like the, the highest amount of duty you would ever pay on any product other than special or, you know, uh, high, you know, there's, there's some products that have a super high surcharge or SEMA, uh, level of, of duty, but the highest level of duty rate you would ever pay is around 18%. And so to have 25% on a very high value of product. So in other words, steel is very expensive and huge volumes of it. To have that 25% tax, I, I have, we haven't seen the actual numbers on this specifically, but it's just a massive amount. And even the 10%, like you said, a, a, a typical duty rate on non, you know, I, I would say an average duty rate overall on non-NAFTA products would probably be 6 to 8%. So now you've yeah. got this 10% above the tax you're talking 15 possibly 23 percent if you take in pst yeah and let's just clarify that for my u.s listeners so if you are importing into canada there is a five percent gst the gst and pst that uh, graham is talking about is if you do um if you went once you sell the product to uh, a canadian citizen so if you're importing into canada you've got that five percent gst 
And then you're going to have the the 10% or the 25% surtax on top of that, which is just crazy. I mean, people must be scrambling as far as, you know, bottom lines and things like that. So let's get into, we've talked a lot about China, I mean, not China, Canada, US, US, Canada. Um, but there's a lot of talk about China and the US. Um, so let's talk a little bit about which states will be impacted the most if China implements the suggested tariffs that they're talking about. Yeah, the 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 interesting thing is that they're very particular and they can really really go to whoever the voters were for the current president. And that's what they actually do. And some people say no they don't actually do that, but that's actually exactly what they do, especially Australia and Europe, they just found who voted for him the most, who's going to make the most noise against this, and we're going to penalize that area. So that's why you see these strange random products, because certain certain states produce, um, produce more of that product than anywhere else. So, um, so it's, it's because the list is so big, you know, there's... There's, uh, it's just wide ranging. Some examples are, you know, um, Mexico, Mexico's retaliating against the U.S., so they're going to put um, penalties on pork. So pork production is actually in a, in a few a few areas. It, it's really concentrated in North Carolina, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana. Um, all of those states voted for Trump. So they the, what they want to do is they want to hurt the local air, local uh, people that that voted for the president hopefully they'll take it to their senators and and it'll work its way up to the chain say hey we voted for you and now you're now you're hurting us please you know please reverse or you know please deal with this other country so that's really the the strategy uh, for all the countries is to figure that out they start with the tit for tat which is what did you um, what did you penalize us with? And then we're going to go after the states that you're very popular in. Interesting. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, the importers and exporters. Um, but I think now we need to sort of touch on the service providers because they play a really big role. Whether you're a freight forwarder, you're a customs broker, um, there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of pivoting that needs to happen fairly quickly um, and it impacts the importers and exports. So with the changes in the tariff uh, comes changes from the government, right? And so I think for the importers and exporters, it's important to understand how that is affecting the service providers that they work with. So let's talk a little bit about what that means for importers and exporters. Yeah, this was, this is, one of those things that I always feel we could do a better job of as service providers. Um, but at the same time, it's, we are a small industry overall, but responsible for all of this trade. So in other words, we have thousands of customers. And if I break down this, if it goes sort of war room style on this, you know, we had a bit of a heads up, you know, they, they gave, they gave the service providers and the government gave notice of this is the potential list. And we, then our customers ask, well, what's going to be tariffed? And we say, well, we don't really know, but here's the list that we were given. So then the question is, do you action that? Do you start changing your prices? Do you, do you actually do anything with that? Because if you do and it's changed, you've got a problem. 
So how this all went down is we actually got the information ahead of time. We sort of look at it. We, we look at what customers will be affected. We look at what products are going to be affected. And we start figuring out our communication strategy to not only tell our customers, but also give them breakdowns by tariff of what is going to be affected. But we didn't have a final notice until Friday, June 29th. For, and this is for Canada, for Canada imports. So Friday, June 29th, we get a notice that's saying these are the products. And guess what? More products were added that day. And it's for July 1st implementation, which is Sunday. And Monday is the holiday. <laughs> and Tuesday is, you know, sort of the first day. Uh, you know, Tuesday the 3rd is really the first day of if a shipment left Washington State on July 1st, it's going to be affected on Tuesday. So we have to, um, we have to basically all hands on deck. We have to make some uh, technology changes to make sure that surtax is in there. Confirm that it is a surtax, not a duty, because adding duty is actually really simple. We would just update duty rates in our database. But this is actually a completely different calculation, completely different sort of line item on the on the customs entry. And so we go through this whole process. And then, of course, we get thousands. Well, I, I wouldn't say thousands, but we get a lot of phone calls and emails about, OK, what's happened and how are my products affected? So how do you notify 3,000, 5,000, 6,000 customers uh, that all they, here's your products uh, that are affected? Here's here's the duty rates on each one of them. Here's the 25 percent threshold. Here's a 10 percent threshold. So we had to go through all of this um, this this sort of, uh, you know, step through each one of these processes. And even today, we're still dealing with it where customers are still looking for, you know, clarification. Maybe they were going to import this product and now they're going to ask and figure out, should I bother? What's the duty rate? What's the tax rate? So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it all goes down step by step. It's not it's not smooth. It, it's, you know, we try to make it smooth. But on the back end here, we're, we're really... Um, you know, shuffling around a little bit to figure out how we can get this out to our customers as quickly as possible. So I guess what you're saying is that most of the industry was working on the long weekend. <laughs> exactly. And figuring out, you know, how, how to, um, you know, best do this. When, you know, the other thing is, is the way that they worded the, the, the timing of it is it was if it left the U.S. on its continuous journey after July 1st, so that may sound simple at first, but just think about that from an actual uh, practical standpoint is we get a shipment on July 3rd. We actually have to confirm this. When did it leave? Because the customer doesn't want to pay if they don't have to. So you, I don't know if you heard this story about a container from overseas that they were timing it to see if it could land before the tariffs came into effect because there could be potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in duty or you know, surtax added. And they were basically, you know, putting the, the the accelerator down to get to the port before the before the implementation date. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of practical things that are handled and we try to make it look easy, but it, there's a lot of shuffling going around in the background. Yeah. And that just goes back to my point about, you know, who is affected, you know, how many people are affected, who like and and what does it affect? Right. You said put the hammer down and, and try to get the, the vessel in in time. I mean, that's a crew. That's a steamship line. You know, that's that's a lot of people that um, are affected and giving only two days 
to be able to put it into effect, figure it out, especially over a long weekend is, you know, kind of crazy. But anyways, yeah. um, let's talk about how an importer or exporter can figure out what products are affected. Um, do you have any good resources that you can recommend that people can use to really be able to navigate through this trade war? Well, you know, it, it's as a tech company or tech person, I, I sort of take pride in our technology. But what you actually have to do is you're dealing with all these different companies and people that that have all different systems. So um, we went, we just went to the good old spreadsheet, the trusty spreadsheet. We created, uh, we created a template basically, so you can, uh, and we haven't seen anything like it. It's basically a calculator. You, you would you would copy and paste your tariff in there, or if you're, you know, a customer of ours, we, we, we give this to you and we just, we provide a list of all your tariff. And then it would just basically highlights if it's, if it highlights red, that means it's 25%. If it highlights orange, that means it's 10%. And we'll show all, you know, you can show your suppliers and all your tariff items that are affected right down to the SKU level. And we've just found that that's, that's actually stopped, you know, all the noise, it's just a very simple way of, of looking at it. And then customers can view, okay, how much is this really affecting me? Because there are so many items. If you actually look at this, again, on a practical level, you've got this list, you've got all these tariff items. And by the way, customers only gave us the eight-digit tariff. So it, that may sound simple, but the, the tariff is 10 digits. So does it affect every t all the 10 digits under that, that heading? And it does, but there's there can be dozens or hundreds of more, you know, sublines of tariff that are affected. So we have to figure out, you know, which tariffs are affected. But this this way, you just copy and paste. It'll highlight. Here's all the items that are are are, are affected. That's great. And you know what? I mean, you really weren't given a lot of time, um, especially on the tech side, to really implement everything that you needed to implement. And plus things are so volatile, you're almost hesitant to do too much. So um, I think kudos to you because, you know, you kept it simple, um, but you were able to, you know, bring a product to your customers that allows them to uh, navigate uh, some of what's happening. And I think it's probably easier from your side to update as things change. Exactly. You've got one central source and, you know, who knows what's happening in the coming weeks or months. If, if uh, another tariff item gets added, you know, you can just simply add it and, um, and it'll be updated instantly. So what kind of uh, data and analysis are you doing to help your customers? Well, there's, there's two things. Uh, there's, there's, okay, first of all, what, um, what tariffs are affected? So which, which one of my products are affected? But, um, you know, we have very granular data on the products that are imported. So we know which suppliers you've imported this product from, uh, which countries you've imported it from, and which, how, what value amount you've imported. So we can, we can lay that all over this, this, um, this, the surtax, and we can lay, lay that over all of your imports and say, okay, this is how much you imported this is what it will be under the new new rule if you just if you just import the same amount as last year or last month. Uh, so that's the kind of data analysis that we're doing. And everyone's a little bit different because there's some importers that import just one product. They, they just import one product on that list and it affects everything. And then you have, if you had a customer that's a dollar store, well, you know, every item on that list except 
perhaps steel is going to be affected. So, you know, basically it's just really understanding the customer's import patterns, the products that they import, and then figuring out how to uh, predict what the pricing is going to be if they continue to import that product from that country. Awesome. It sounds like you're doing a, a lot of, um, you know, non-traditional things and non-traditional ways of helping your helping your customers, which I really do love because at the end of the day, you know, sometimes the service providers in this industry, they don't think about the different things the shippers need um, and how they can help them. And with so much technology out there, we really do have the tools to be able to be proactive instead of reactive, which I find that this industry has you know, traditionally been. So let's, we, we spoke about how they're being affected, what industries are being affected. Now I want to wind this down and sort of talk about, you know, what importers and exporters should be looking at doing um, as far as, you know, alternative markets. There's a lot of, you know, we need to mitigate the risk. We need to diversify um, where we're importing product, where we're exporting product, especially in a time like this, because, you know, Canada has traditionally been very dependent on the U.S. Um, and there's a lot of trade that goes back and forth. But, you know, when a situation like this comes up, it's not necessarily the best thing for your business. So what can they do to diversify? What are the next best alternative markets for U.S. and Canadian importers and exporters? So this is a broad ranging topic, but it's, it's um, the first place that we would suggest starting is by simply either working with your service provider or, you know, the tariffs all available online, but you can, you know, work with your tariff, your, your, your service provider to figure out where would these items be duty free from or tax surtax free from, um, if I was to import from another country. So, you know, the, every tariff item has duty and tax rates from different countries. Now, a lot of them are grouped together. There's, you know, I don't want to get too technical, but, you know, there's a GPT rate that covers a whole bunch of countries. And so every item that you import has different duty rates or or not. Some, some are duty-free across the board or some have 5% from... Vietnam, you know, 6% from China, 0% from Mexico. Uh, so that the tariff itself can be lower or higher duty rates from different countries. So that's the first thing we suggest to always look at. Forget about the trade war for a minute. If you're paying any sort of duty or surtax, you want to always be looking at where could you source this to reduce that amount. That's That's the number one thing that that big importers do is they're always looking to source where they can get the lowest duty or tax rate. So that that's basically, that's where you would start. And then exporting wise, same thing. You would, you would look at what countries or don't have barriers for my products. And, and, you know, if you went back 10, 15, 20 years, even this was hard to do, but now it's actually quite easy to do. And with all the international shipping companies, like, you know, FedEx, UPS, DHL, Purelater, shipping worldwide is not what it used to be. It's so easy. It's just you, you click and pick a different country and all the pricing is included. And, and so it's not as difficult to ship internationally as some people might think it, it would be or could be. 
Yeah, so I think it's all about taking a look at trade agreements, taking a look at the other trade agreements. I mean, NAFTA is spoken about a lot, um, obviously, because it's easier, you know, to do trade between Canada and the US, Canada and Mexico, US and Mexico, we're, we're all so close, we're all neighbors. Um, and that was, you know, obviously the point of NAFTA being created. But there are a lot of really good trade agreements that Canada, especially Canada, Canada has with the rest of the world. And I think for importers and exporters in Canada, it would be really beneficial to take a look at those agreements that are out there that have been negotiated that have been put in place. Um, I think there's a really good one out of uh, Europe. That's right. Right? Yeah, that's CETA. And that's it's actually just very timely that you mentioned that because we're hearing a lot more about CETA right now because Europe has put um, trade, you know, trade barriers or trade, you know, taxes on to U.S. goods. But if you import items from Europe under CETA, they may, they may have only, they may have been dutiable before, but now they're duty free under this agreement with a CETA certificate, which is basically the European Canada version of NAFTA. So very great point. You know, there's a lot of countries that we have very great trade agreements with, but people sort of just default to the biggest one, which is NAFTA. Yeah, so take a look at it. And where where do you think that they could go um, to look up the trade agreements that we have in place? I think we've got some really good resources within the government, um, taking a look at trade commissioners. Yeah, I, I think basically there's, you know, I, I don't want to just say go to your service provider like that. That's a one that's one stop is go, go to your customs broker. The second is, you know, all of this is available online. You know, there's so much information out there. Um, even if you just Google, you know, where, where are my products, uh, you know, duty free for this product, it's amazing what comes up, but I'll just, I'll double down a little bit on that CETA. There's, there's a stat from that, that we, because we're doing some research on it as well. There's a stat that that's kind of shocking is that, um, goods imported into Europe before CETA, uh, only 25% of them were duty free. So Canadian goods into Europe only 25% were duty-free. So 75% had duty of some sort. Well, now 98% of Canadian goods going to Europe under CETA are duty-free. So that means it's a lot more attractive for Europeans to buy Canadian products. And uh, that's just one example of that, that agreement, which is massive. So I, I think just, you know, World Trade Organization is great. Government of Canada, Global Affairs Canada lists all these trade agreements. But really, um, it can be confusing. I would always suggest going to uh, a customs broker to to start. Awesome, awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. Um, go and check your uh, check out the other trade agreements. Talk to your service providers. Talk to your government. Talk talk to your uh, trade commissioners to navigate and really take a look at what would be best for your business. Now is the time to diversify. Well, thank you so much, Graham, for coming back on the show for another insightful episode. Um, We're talking about a lot of really important topics um, in today's market that I think the listeners are really going to learn a lot from. So I'm going to have all of the information on Let's talksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 23. Um, I'll have some information about Graham, where you can connect with him. Make sure to go on LinkedIn and connect with him as well. And their website is borderbuddy.com. So again, thank you so much, Graham. Thank you. I enjoyed it. 
If you liked this episode, make sure and check out our last discussion about autonomous vehicles, and that's on letstalksupplychain.com, season 2-17. Now, next week is part one of a two-part series, and I speak to Eric Johnson. He is the technology expert for the Journal of Commerce. You're not going to miss this one because we talk about all the upcoming technology, what you need to know, and even where to start in your business to really navigate through some of the technology that's coming out, some of the technology that's already been there. So make sure to stay tuned for that episode coming up. Now, there's a few ways to support me. One of them is through my supply chain dictionary. There are a lot of acronyms used in supply chain. And if you need a thorough and easy to use guide to help you navigate that, make sure to check it out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember while you're there to sign up for the newsletter, I am sending out supply chain jokes and quotes, some trending news, and also I am letting you know when there are new episodes available. Um, you can also support me through ships. That is my latest project um, and it's because I am so passionate about logistics and supply chain, it's going to translate into this project. And if you want to be fun, one of the first to know, and you're curious what all the hype is about, make sure to go and sign up at ships.com because you will be the first to know when we are ready to go public. This is going to be big people. Thank you so much for joining me and my guests every week and allowing me to do a show about an industry that I am so passionate about. And remember that I want to feature you. So send me your reviews and your supply chain stories so that I can feature you and your company and really get the information out there so that we can all learn from each other. Have an amazing day and remember everybody, ship happens.